Eufy is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home. Your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything. And your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Eufy video lock. Fingerprint tap i'm inside and honestly i also feel way safer it's got this awesome built-in camera so whether it's a package delivery or late night uber order i see exactly who's there right from my phone there are no more mystery knocks and the best part this thing was such a breeze to set up there's no wires there's no drilling uh, there's also no monthly subscription fees so if you are done fumbling with your keys because i definitely am search for eufy video lock or head over to eufyofficial.com slash video lock your front door, your sanity. I just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to the Lessons episodes of Success Story. These Lessons episodes will be shorter clips from past guests, accomplished value community members, and myself. In each short episode, we'll feature concise and insightful, actionable conversations and tactics, providing you with real-world strategies and tips to help you achieve your personal and professional goals. If you're seeking a no-nonsense approach to growth and progress, you've come to the right spot. Settle in, take notes, and enjoy. For an entrepreneur, when is the point when they're chasing the new shiny object versus giving up on a potentially viable business idea too soon or holding on to it too long? Because there's a, there's a balancing act they have to have. And I know that I've even, you know, even one lesson from Netflix is your decision to enter or not enter Canada that's at a macro scale, a shiny object <laughs> syndrome. But how do you how do you how do you walk work through that problem so that you're not just chasing the next thing because you've given up too quick? I think that when do you know when it's time to give up is an artificial okay. question. Uh, I really don't think people ever say that to themselves. Uh, I, at least I. I mean, it's it's an interesting thought experiment, but when you're in the trenches, you almost never give up because yeah, that's fair. You just don't give up, and, and I'm not saying it's because you're so persistent and bullheaded. But how many entrepreneurs do you know who give up? Almost always, you're forced to give up. You run out of money, or you run out of time, or the things just quite frankly don't work, but you don't like say, oh, all done. You try something else. 
Um, and that's not to say you stick with the same thing. In some ways, I give up all the time. I'm giving up constantly. I never get wedded to my ideas. It's not working? Fine. In the trash it goes, and I'll try something completely differently. And I'm even willing to do that when the thing I'm giving up is working. It's just not going to be the thing I need to do to be successful in the future. I'm willing to walk away from current success to do what I know the customer is going to do, even if they're totally separate. It, what you're talking about is somewhat different than the shiny object problem, which is, I think, different. That's a focus. Pro that's a focus problem. Okay. So. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. But that's still. I, I want to. I want to get your input on that as well. <laughs> so let's let's separate those two problems. So the. The, the being forced to give up, maybe that is a thought experiment. Maybe you're right. If somebody is truly entrepreneurial, they will not give up. But tons of them don't work. Tons of them get, yeah. you know, I, I've got lots of people who yeah. have failed companies and that's no, you know, no badge of shame, but it's not like they all of a sudden go, oh, well, I guess there's no more good ideas. I guess we're done. Or boy, this is just not working. I'm going to stop. And it's the reason is because for most people, well, this is a dangerous thing to say, who are in it for the right reasons, uh, mm -hmm. the success part of it is not what they're looking for. As you mentioned, at the, as you recognized in me at the very beginning, it's all about curiosity and solving problems. And the fact that stuff keeps not working just makes you more curious about what is going to work. Because every failed experiment teaches you something. You become so educated about your problem. It, it, it isn't like you give up on the problem. You give up on the idea in a second. That's why they're all bad ideas. But that problem, that never really goes away. But the focus is a different one okay. because there absolutely is a shiny object problem. Um, and there's two types of these uh, shiny object problems. One is the fact that when you start, you're dramatically under-resourced. You have a handful, you have just you in your dorm room, to use the example from before. Or even once you start a company, you have just a handful of people. You have limited dollars, you have limited amounts of time, and there's a hundred things that need doing. Uh, and to do all of them well is resources so far beyond what you have. And um, you have to recognize I can't. It's impossible. And the mistake people make is they feel they have to do everything. And so as a result, they do everything to the 20 or 30 percent level. You know, they say we're going to have a marketing program that's 20 percent, or sales program 30 percent, or website 23 percent, PR 20. They have this huge list. We're going to need to have a human resources policies to, we're going to need to write down our company culture. It's, everything is shitty. Um, and half-assed and not done well. And yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. just like, but it, because they think, oh, I have to have all these things done. Or all of a sudden you launch and you've got your customers saying, we need this feature, we need this feature, we need this feature, this service, this, we need different price plans, we need this geography. Uh, and you can't do all those things well. It's, there's so many things conspire against a startup. That if you going in with everything at this 20 to 30 percent level, uh, you're, you're doomed. 
So the focus piece is recognizing that fundamentally there's probably just one or two things that if you get them right, all the rest um, takes care of itself. That it really is this triage where of all the things that are on fire, a bunch of them, well, listen, no matter what you do, they're still going to be poor. So that, that doesn't help. And a bunch of them, they're still going to be fine no matter what you do. But there's a few that your time and attention will make the difference between success and failure. And the skill of an entrepreneur is to recognize what are those two or three things and then have the discipline to focus their time, attention, and the company's resources on those handful of things. It's really, really hard to do, but it's such a critical skill. And like you said, there's always things that are tempting you. And the one you alluded to, of course, at Netflix early days was what we called, you know, the Canada uh, problem, which is that people say, you should, wow, we're t you're trying to grow, you should just expand into Canada. Uh, that's about an almost instant 10% pop. You know, that market size is about one-tenth of the United States. Uh, it's easy. And one of the lessons, of course, is that this so-called low-hanging fruit rarely is that what seems easy, once you begin getting into it, ends up having all kinds of weird intricacies to it. You know, it's a different language in parts of Canada. Uh, they have a different currency. Uh, there's different rights for some of the movies you're selling and renting. Uh, and the time and attention to get that right for 10% revenue bank gain, that if you took all the time and attention you spend defocusing on going after Canada and focus it on your internal business, you'd reap way more than a 10% gain. And you have to be willing to wait. And another one is all of a sudden people as we begin to get some success, uh, competitors come up. You know, someone launches a Netflix clone in the UK. And believe me, the temptation is huge to say we better jump into the UK to nip this in the bud. But you have to say no taking our very, very best people and keeping them focused on our internal problem here is going to be much, much more valuable because eventually when we do enter the UK in two or three years, we'll be in such a stronger position. We can't let ourselves get distracted. We can't allow ourselves to get spread too thin. Um, and the now we're getting deep on this one. The other hidden trap is that not only is there a distraction of doing two things at the same time, but those two things cut against each other. In other words, it's not just taking resources and putting it on Canada, but what that does fundamentally is make it worse uh, with, your inter with your core market because they conflict in many ways. All of a sudden you go, we have to structure it this way so it remains compatible. And all of a sudden you're going, no, no, that's not what's best for the customer here in the U.S. I go, I know, but we need to compromise a little bit to make it work. Yeah. At the very beginning, when we launched Netflix, this is back in 1998, you know, it doesn't look anything like it does now. You know, we were mailing movies to people. There was no, no streaming. Uh, if you wanted a movie, we mailed it to you in a little red envelope. And we didn't just rent movies, we sold them and sold a ton of movies and it ended up being something like 95% of our revenue. And this was kind of a version of the Canada principle but in reverse. 
is here we had this phenomenal sales business, but kind of recognized strategically this was a bad idea. You know, that eventually Amazon was going to come in because back then they were just doing books. And then eventually Walmart's going to come in and Kmart and, I don't know, PetSmart. They're all going to begin selling DVDs and then we're toast. But to the point I was just making, the problem is that doing both was making everything more difficult. It was confusing the customers. Uh, the, all, of our, um, all of our metrics were hard to interpret because there was two types of customers. Our checkout process was more complicated than it needed to be to accommodate that some people were renting, some were buying. Our inventory management, I mean, everything was being made more difficult. And we said, we're going to have to focus. We're going to have to pick one of these, uh, which would be hard enough to get right. Uh, and that the big strategic challenge, then, challenge, of course, was which one do you focus on? And you focus on selling movies, which is 95 plus percent of your revenue, but is eventually going to go out of business. Where do you yeah. focus on rental, which is a tiny piece, but if you can get it right, has the potential of being huge. And so it requires this courage to say, I'm willing to walk away from this, in this case, huge, shiny, huge, extremely shiny object to say, fundamentally, I know what I have to do for the future. And I know that every minute that I maintain two lines of business is just making it less likely that the one that fundamentally is my future is ever going to see the future. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. 
hard. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed 
survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 